All right, folks, welcome to the podcast. We are at uh, San Luis Pass again for the second time. Yes, sir. In, a, in several months. Got uh, Kevin and Ors with us today. Uh, Kevin, quick intro. Um, Kevin Burns um, grew up in Freeport, um, Brazoria County, moved down here from West Texas at about the age of eight. Been fishing in the area for a long time. And back in October, I was hired to go to work out here at Brazoria County the San Luis Pass Brazoria County Park, um, beautiful location. It's like going to work at Paradise. You've got to love coming to work. Oh, I do. Well, every morning coming to work, I'm ride, driving down the Blue Water Highway right about sun, sunrise. You look out over the water and the beachfront. That like this morning, it was just a little bit of ripple in the first gut, and then out past that first gut, it was slick calm. And that's one of the first things I said. Man, people need to be out there wearing the trout out right now. Mm-hmm. Right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you messaged me this morning. I think, yeah. or you called me, or we talked. And yeah. Like, surface flat, surface flat. Yeah, I, I, I posted on Facebook that of what I saw on, on a couple of the different fishing pages that I'm a member and administrator on that um, people need to get out there and and get in the water. I but brought th- my gear today, so. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> It'd be a good day to go know. get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a while ago, um, there was a, a man and his son that just came into our cleaning station over here with a box full of trout that they had caught out. The down, down the beach, yeah. Wow. You know yeah. where they put in? I'm sure it, anywhere between well, – the water's pretty all the way down the beach. You can, I don't know. They probably were down by around the townhomes, Peregrine townhomes, yeah. around yeah. Access 5 or 6. Yep. Well, good. All right, Ors? Uh, my name's Ors Schmid. I am the president and CEO of saltwaterrecon.com. I am uh, I'm a BOI, born on Galveston. Uh, I was born and raised here and uh, – I currently live in Pearland, but uh, that's maybe one of the reasons we started this website is so that I could see the water a little bit more. <laughs> uh, I missed it so much, and, uh, you know, we'd come kayaking all the time. Uh, I'd go meet my buddy down in Galveston, and we'd kayak, and we never knew what the conditions would be, so I said, uh, we need a way to do this. So we it, it just kind of evolved from there. That was sort of the spark, I guess. Um, but, yeah, here we are now, and we'll get into it a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my intro. Born and raised in Galveston. My, I have a wife and two kids. Uh, my youngest is uh, 10 months old. He's a little boy, Zach. Awesome. And my daughter, Charlie, is five. So they keep me busy when I'm not uh, working on the website. Two's a good number, man. It's perfect. It that's is. it. It is. You? Three. Three? Three. <laughs> <laughs> my brother learned that lesson, too. He's got three himself. Three and then a couple snips, and uh, <laughs> we're got done. Got that problem controlled yeah, now. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. All right, so let's just jump into it. We're going to talk about a kind of a sensitive subject uh, today, and it's, you know, there's and, and Kevin, I'm just going to let you take over with it. But uh, we're, you know, we want to be respectful of, of of family members and those that have been affected by not only what's happened this year, but in years past. And so we want to get that out front and say that we we have this discussion with the utmost respect and and reverence for. For those that have been affected by what's going on at San Luis Pass, and um, so with that said, Kevin, just jump in and and talk to us about what's been going on at the pass and what the county is proposing to do. Well, there ever ever since we've had the most recent drownings here, um, the gentle young man from um, Alvin, Jeremy, that 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 drowned, um, the county's thought about doing something about it for quite a while but they have never really stepped in and and thought about taking action and the commissioners locally here in Brazoria County just recently had a meeting at the commissioner's court to discuss um, what the viable options are and what they proposed um, basically were three different options which there may be some variance in what those options actually get implemented I think um, August 8th they're supposed to be having another meeting for the commissioner's court and maybe voting on what action they're actually going to take. One of the main options that they discussed was completely closing the beach off, putting a fence up, and making it illegal to access the, the beachfront in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a touchy subject for a lot of people. That's kind of rough. Um, they don't want any any of the rights taken away, and they, they speak about the, the Open Beaches Act and everything. Um, I've actually done surveys um of on facebook on several different um venues 
um, asking people's opinions on what they thought. And there's mixed reviews, a lot of people griping and complaining mm -hmm. that they don't want to see any of their rights taken away. But um, closing the beaches off completely was one of them and fencing it off where you can't get down to the bodies of water right here adjacent to um, San Luis Pass. Um, the other option was to allow people to go into the water with only a personal, a Coast Guard approved personal flotation device. And then the other option was to allow for only bank fishing only, no entry into the water at all, um, no wading, no swimming, um, no playing in the water, basically. And that's, it's a kind of hard, hard decision for especially our elected officials to make because they want to make everybody happy. But yet in the same time, they need to do something to protect the lives of the people that are coming out here to enjoy the, our waterways. You know, that's that's a great option, I think, but I think it's a really tough one to enforce because uh, you, you'd have to have the manpower to come out and enforce those laws, and I, I don't think that... Uh, it's not something that they're, I mean, because of the manpower issue, mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to have somebody down here 24-7 watching over um, but Both if sides you, of the bank. If you pass an ordinance where it is illegal, well, Galveston's already got an ordinance in place that you cannot enter the waterway. What I'm talking about and what we're talking about here today basically is the Brazoria County side of the of the pass. Okay. And that's what our county commissioners will be voting on. There is no, there's no fourth option, which is no action. I mean, they're going to take. They're going to do something. They're going to do something. Yeah. More than likely, that's that's the indication that I've got from talking to some of the elected officials that I, I know personally. Um, the thing about the, the no entry into the water, I th personally, the, in my opinion, that's the best option. Um, you got people that go out there that one minute you'll be standing in water that's perfectly fine. And the next minute they're over their head and they're being swept away. Um, the waters are forever changing every time you have a tide change here in the past because of the fact that you have five um, major base systems that are all being fed by the water that comes and goes with incoming and outgoing tides here in the in San Luis Pass itself. <clears throat> and at any given time, you can have, on a tide change, you'll have um, dead calm waters to a 20-knot current. And with that 20-knot current, it's displacing sand um, all the time at all the different drop-offs and sandbars. And one minute, you'll be standing in a location that's perfectly fine. And with the tide change, all of that sand is being displaced and moved. And before you know it, you're in, a, in you're standing somewhere where you're you shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And it's um, at times like this, that's pretty much what happened to the young boy about a month ago. Whenever he was out fishing, he was fishing with another friend of his. He was 19. His friend was 17. They were fishing all of a sudden. And another thing, they were fishing during a time when we had storm tides. And with the extreme high tide from a storm. Whenever you have water that's going out, you have that much more water um, that's moving out of the system, yeah. and that's going to cause that much more erosion and, and sand displacement on the footing. And one minute they were fine, the next minute he's, they're both getting pulled out. And the young boy, the 19-year-old, um, his friend that was 17 had a hold of his hand and couldn't hold on to him. And his friend um, went down, went under, and never came back up. The 17-year-old was able to ride the current and it eventually popped up and he was able to get out of the water but um, that's something wow. that he's going to always live with thinking what could I, what could I've done to help my friend and that's that's something that it's just sad and we I was here during the two days that the young man was missing the family they had 20 or 30 family members that were up here and it was it was just sad seeing them we tried to do what we could to help comfort them. We um, took them bottles of water, sliced watermelon, took it up to them. But the father had said that he wasn't going to leave here until his son was found. And um, Sunday evening, I'd already left the park and was already on, on my way home. And I got a phone call that a fisherman on the Galveston side had actually found him. And he went missing on the Brazoria County side. But um, there are situations like that arise all the time out here. One minute people are fine, the next minute they're in over their heads. How many have there been this year? This year so far that I'm aware of, there have been two drownings. Right after the weekend after Jeremy um, get drowned, there was a guy on the Galveston side that um, his um, son, I think, four-year-old. Five-year-old son, five -year -old went, in son water, went in the water. He went in after him. I just talked to Jennifer Provoznik about this yesterday. Uh, Jennifer is a game warden on uh, for Galveston County or for the Texas Parks and Wildlife in the Galveston area, and she was telling me that uh, 
The sun went in. He went after him. I believe he was able to get the sun to where somebody else could grab him. But he went under, and then the boy was rushed to the hospital, and unfortunately he didn't make it either. So that makes actually three drowned. The little boy the little didn't boy, make it. The little boy, unfortunately, didn't make it. Uh, he, was <coughs> he was already underwater for several minutes. When he uh, when he was pulled out, I didn't know that. I, the last I'd heard is that they had had taken him to the hospital and he right. was still alive. And I didn't know that either. And man, it crushed me. Oh, yeah. it's just terrible. Anytime a child loses their life, and what's bad is um, I see so many times where people will be out here and they'll have all their kids out there, um, out there way deeper than what they should be, mm-hmm. and with a uh, one or two parent out there. And I, we yeah. go out there all the time and warn them that that they can't, you can't do that. You're, um, it's just. You're taking an unnecessary risk. You're putting your child in danger. So when you go out there and you see someone being unsafe and, and, and or you or another uh, ranger ranger employee out here says, hey, you guys might want to be careful, what's the feedback you get? Um, it's ver- It varies. Sometimes they're appreciative of us letting them know the dangers. Other times it's like we've been coming out here for eons and mm-hmm. we know what we're doing, so mm-hmm. just leave us alone. And then the, there have been times whenever we've had sheriff's dep- deputies out here with a bullhorn that are going down the meet, beach um, telling people to get out of the water. And they'll continue going down the beach. And when they go further down the beach, the people go right back out in the water. It's just they're not even heeding the warning of, a, of law officials. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then there's another gentleman that was out here um, about three weeks ago that I talked to that said that he was going out there and, and telling people that had kids in the water to get their kids out of the water, and he told them that if he came back again, he would be charging them with child endangerment. Really? Wow, yes. that's good. That's good. Yeah. Because Jennifer was telling me that they weren't actually issuing citations, but uh, just enforcing and, and uh, letting people know that they need to be out of the water, how dangerous it is. If but they do pass an ordinance where you're not supposed to be in the water, they need to write citations. Absolutely. Whenever it starts affecting somebody's pocketbook, mm-hmm. word will get out that you're going to be fined. It'll make a difference in people actually going into the water. Definitely. Yeah. If that's the option that no, they I do agree. choose to take. I agree. And the other side of this that we haven't discussed yet are the are the costs to the citizens through you know, through the county. Yes. When, whenever there is an event like this and the county has to send out search and rescue and, and personnel t- to the to those those sorts of things. I mean that's part no one wants to mention it but i'm sure that's part of the discussion that's that's being had well that's one of the things that was mentioned mentioned by somebody in the commissioner's court we had they had about 30 people that stood up and talked that day whenever we went and and all all talked and gave our our views and opinions on it um one of the gentlemen was from the coast guard and it's estimated that it cost around two thousand dollars an hour for the helicopter to be airborne for them to be out here for search and rescue Mm -hmm. That's just part a part of the teams that are out here. Whenever you've got somebody missing out here, you've got EquiSearch that comes out. You've got Gulf Coast Rescue Squad. You've got um, deputies and sheriffs that are out here as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people that go take an extra step to um, to try to help with the rescue and recovery of somebody that's gone missing. And there's times whenever they get lucky, there are people that have. One guy, the one guy, a couple of guys had a boat that was going down, um, and they actually rescued all four of them out of the boat. The boat, that last they said, it was floating toward the Galveston jetties, um, semi-submerged, but they were lucky enough to be able to hold on to their boat because it hadn't completely capsized um, until the rescue, the wow. the Coast Guard was able to get there and pluck them out of the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know where they went down? They were on the Galveston side of the of the in a boat. Okay. And then there was another. Um, um, circumstance that I was said they had like five people on a kayak that um oh my God. that one of those I don't know if that guy actually drowned or if they ever rescued all of them um that was something that happened this year they went out with five people on a mm-hmm. kayak yeah I don't know if they were just hanging on to it or what they were wow. doing it was yeah. um some hmm. people do like one of the big quotes that it, uh, kept being reiterated over and over at the at the commissioner's court is you can't fix stupid <laughs> um even though we've got signs out there on the beach right now that warn people of the dangers, and they've got a new one they just put out that said that there have been like 12 drownings in the last two years or three years. That you know, I hate to say this, and it doesn't come down to an issue of stupid. Um, I think I think a lot of people maybe are unaware of the actual dangers. I mean, yes, you see a sign that says danger. You know, we see signs all the time. We always ignore them. But 
I think a lot of things is a lot. A lot of it is that you maybe just don't pay attention to the sign. You're on your way out to have some fun, and two the the of the three drownings this year, one young man he was was he 18, 17? 19. He was nineteen. Young man, kind of you know, just in his youth, his his you know, he didn't think he needed to pay attention to the sign. And and then the the other two were were. Were they Hispanic? Were they even? Yes. Were they English speakers, or was English their second language? I don't even. You know, know I feel like there's a language barrier, and and maybe that might have been an issue there. Um, so I feel like a well, lot of us we we've been around here a long time, and we all know the dangers of of the San Luis Pass. We've been told by our parents, by our friends, but uh, I just don't know that it's reaching everybody, uh, and maybe that might be why we're we're having some issues. Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, the boy from Alvin. I said his name was Jeremy. It's actually Jacob. Um, Jacob is somebody that used to come out here all the time. This was his favorite place to come to. He fished out here all the time. And um, he would he should have known the dangers from being somebody that come out here all the time. A lot of times we have people that come down here that are un, not familiar with, with what we have here, that the dangers that do exist with um, the currents that are involved with them. Mm-hmm. with the water in the past mm-hmm. well you're going to get all you're going to get all types i mean you're going to get some people that can't read the signs because they they physically can't read them you're going to get some that have a cavalier attitude mm-hmm. and you're going to have some that that have the institutional knowledge like you guys have and say no i know better so it's i think you're just going to have a broad spectrum but the only way to reach everybody is have a one size fits all policy and, and that's the, what the, have the to signs do. that they have out there, they do have them in both Spanish and in English. Um, I, years ago, one of the things that I said is they need to make some kind of, you saw the brand new sign that we have at the entryway of the pass. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. It catches your attention. Um, I think they need to put in something like that closer to the entrance of the beach that has both um, chi- um, Chinese, Spanish, and English. Mm-hmm. I propose like a, a, a pyramid type of deal, three-sided, that has that um, is big, made out of a, a concrete or something that can't be destroyed by tidal floods. That um, can't. Bad thing about it, like some of the signs that they put up in both between here and the mouth of the Brazos, you'll come back and they've been used for firewood. I heard that. Put yeah. something up structurally that can't be destroyed. Um, I heard the new signs were made out of metal, and uh, they are, and that they are in, in several languages, and that they even include how many deaths have Did. occurred so yes. far. That's the, correct. So that's well, only only recently within the last few years. Okay. I did research before I came to work out here at St. Louis Pass to um, find out what I could about the number of people that have actually lost their lives between here at St. Louis Pass and at the mouth of the Brazos River. And the rece- research that I did, I found records going back to like 1973 and 74, and that's as far back as I could find records. And on average, there were four and a half people that lost their lives between these two bodies of water. Um, that's since then that's like 190 people that have died just since the mid 70s wow and that's that's a lot of lives that's, that's crazy and but that's the information people need to hear i mean yeah. you need to know that deaths occur here all the time and that really strikes a chord with everybody because i don't think anybody wants to drown out here so nobody wants to lose a loved one absolutely not and uh you see something like that you it really makes you think and i think just saying that it's dangerous may not be enough it has to really really illustrate how dangerous it is and um, how 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 often it happens? I mean, yeah. uh, right now we're how many drownings this year? Just three? I thought it was three closer so to far. five. It may be. I don't know about the guys on the kayak. If any of them lost their lives, I thought we were almost at one a month this year. Yeah. Well, there've been there've been years in the past when they had five and five drown in one day. Wow. Yeah. That was a Memorial Weekend, I think, two or th- a couple of years ago. That's uh, that's just. Yeah, and we're not through all the holidays yet, so right. we, no. we really need to try to get the message out there and do it as soon as possible. We, we can't bicker about this for too long. And the other piece is, if you know, even if you're not at St. Louis Pass, if you're just at the beach, but you find yourself in that rip current and in that situation, is to know physically, have the, where, you know, have the wherewithal to take the right action at that time. You know, don't panic. Mm-hmm. Swim with the current and swim out of it diagonally. Have you ever been caught in a rip current? I haven't. I have. I've, I've been, been in undertow, but not I've been I've current. been in both, and the worst thing you can do is fight it. The best thing you can do is just let it take you to wherever it's going to take you, because eventually it's going to spit you out. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you struggle, the more you panic. Um, you're burning energy. Um, burning you're wasting oxygen. breaths, mm-hmm. and that's um, 
I've been caught in them where I just let it carry me, and eventually it spit me out. Once and you get past the bar where mm-hmm. there's no more breaks in the sandbar, the current yeah. should stop. Yeah. Well, I'd heard with the last drowning, uh, it pulled them under and kept them under. Well, how does that? Where, where's that going? Is Equ- there EquiSearch had side scan radar mm-hmm. that they actually had located um, the body pinned up against a piling of the bridge. And the current was, it was like a washing machine. Oh, I see. There was so much current, they couldn't get their boats close enough to actually retrieve the body. And it was the next day before they actually found the body on the other side of the bridge. Oh, okay. So the, to, until the currents changed and mm-hmm. pushed them Tide change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And this, I guess, this St. Louis Pass situation is a little bit different than a rip current mm-hmm. at the beach. Yeah. I mean, because this, this doesn't stop for... A great distance, right? I mean, oh, yeah. It carries your way out there. And yeah. in the same token, on an incoming tide, you can be um, carried in here to the in, in the bay. And right off our bulkhead out there, you've got water depths of 45 and 50 foot. And if you get carried down, I mean, you can be tumbling underwater for an indefinite period of time again till the tide changes in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So the meeting's August 8th. August 8th, I believe, is going to be the next commissioner's court meeting. Um, we had a, one of the commissioners that wasn't That's at Tuesday. the meeting this last Tuesday. That's this Tuesday, um, okay. That um, they weren't able to, to, to vote on the issue because not all the commissioners were there that day. But they will likely vote. If there's full attendance, they'll More they'll likely. Vote. So if you're out there listening and you have a strong opinion on the subject, you make sure and get out there and, and voice your opinion because it's important. Yeah, I'll get this thing out this weekend so that hopefully, you know, um, some people are able to listen to it. And just like San Luis Pass, the mouth of the Brazos is another body of water that's very treacherous, too. Um, Out there, you can be standing in shin-deep water one minute. You take the next step, and it's um, 12 12 foot deep, and you're being pushed out with the same type of currents that um, are going in and out with the tidal change. Yeah. And a lot of times there have been people that, that went missing out of the mouth of the Brazos that they never recovered their bodies. Um, there's some big sharks out there. You get out there and you're part of the food chain. Yeah. How often is the topography out here changing? I mean, how often do you see the sandbanks moving? Or, you know, do, All do you the time. see any of that? Okay. Yes. Uh, would there ever be a consideration by the counties or, or to, to build like bulkheads? That's something you that. Know, like the Sabine Pass. Yeah, there's something, that's something that was discussed. Um, like a rock wall mm-hmm. that people can't go beyond that rock wall. Mm-hmm. Another thing that was discussed is um, years ago we had a pier here that was just on the other side of the bridge, and people that came down here to fish, they would go out on the pier. They didn't go into the waters usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been diehard fishermen that have been fish, wade fishing these waters for eons, 50 years or more that I know of. Um, I've read books about different people that, that used to come out here um, wade fishing, and these people were they, these people, most of them knew what the conditions were like. They knew that you, you would fish on a slack tide. You don't move. You don't don't go out there whenever you've got a strong incoming or outgoing tide because it's going to be mm-hmm. a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, Ors, you you did you chime in on this on on saltwater recon or did you with saltwater recon we uh, we made people aware that someone was was in the water that someone had had uh, had been lost in the water and if if they could. If, and if they safely could help, uh, you know, of course, help would be greatly I think I appreciated. I remember seeing that's what Yeah, I was, yeah I we, we definitely want to make people aware of what's going on around the, the Bay Area. And if, and if, if ever there's a, a, a time where we can just reach out to all of our Facebook followers and, and anybody on the website that's watching all of our, I mean, we've got thousands of visitors. If we can just, you know, kind of get everybody together and say, hey, this is what's going on. Can, you get, can, can anybody do anything about it? And, and that's what we try to do. And, uh, you know, we, we had some great feedback. We actually had some people go out on boats that, uh, that responded, and they had some time, and they could go out. And, mm-hmm. and we did get some help from it. So I think that's uh, that's one of the great things that's about the, the whole Saltwater Recon family out there is that uh, they, they all are, are great people, and they all do their part when they can. Yeah, I really that's appreciate what y'all are doing on the, the site, um, all the different venues and um, placements that you have cameras. Um, it's it's something that was r- very well needed in this area. Thank you. I think so too. Absolutely. Um, so just jump into it. Why don't sure. You tell yeah. us about Saltwater Recon. Saltwater Recon uh, 
is is a free website, and uh, if if you need to know what the conditions are on Galveston Bay or uh, any of the surrounding areas, and and we are moving, we're expanding as off as fast as we can. But right now we ba- we mainly cover most of Galveston Bay from Trinity Bay all the way down to uh, San Luis Pass, and we go out to we're we're working on an East Beat or uh, an East Bay uh, camera out here. Uh, somewhere in Bolivar, but right now, as far east as we go, we go to Stewart Beach and uh, Seawolf Park. So, I- if you go to the website, you'll you'll be able to see at the bottom of the home page just a snapshot of all the cameras, and it it really gives you a, a great view of what the entire bay is doing. I mean, look at this. You can see the, the the sky, how clear it is. You can see how calm it is throughout the bay, and just just at a glance, you have an idea of what the entire bay is doing. So Todd, I think that's that's Todd, really one yeah. of the coolest features. Tide levels, water clarity, absolutely. Um, um, conditions of the surf as far as the swell, and you know, aside from that, from the great cameras that we have, and they're all HD uh, 180p cameras. Um, you can also move the cameras yourself, so you can you can zoom into the water and see what you want to see. Um, every camera has that feature. You can do that from your desktop or your laptop, not your mobile yet. Uh, but we, aside from that, we've got tide charts and weather reports and other resources. We've got fishing reports, uh, marine traffic maps, uh, the bacteria levels map that for the for the beach, mm-hmm. uh, oil and glass or oil and gas platforms maps. Um, so there's just a lot of great info on here. We've got the beach patrol uh, conditions flag. We've got weather radio, the NOAA weather radio, severe weather warnings. It's just kind of a one-stop shop for anybody that's going to go hang out on the water. Check this out before you go. And, and you'll know exactly how to prepare and what to bring and uh, whether or not you want to go for sure. So sometimes, you know, you're always wondering, oh, should I go today? I'm not sure what the conditions are going to be like. Go to the website, saltwaterrecon.com, check it out, and you'll know. And know before you go. Have you seen any sort of trends in, in, in site traffic? Dude, site traffic is just skyrocketing. So the first few months, the, the, we launched in December of last year, so we've been live for about eight months. We had about 16,000 people on the site that first month, and then it dipped a little bit because we had some really bad conditions in uh, February. So it dipped a little, and from February on, it's been tracking up, and it's been going nowhere but but north. So uh, this, in July, we had 86,000 viewers on the page or on the website. So yeah. it's really, I mean, we're going to hit 100,000 page views in, uh, in the next few months. Wow. And for only having cameras in the Galveston region. Just for the Galveston area, yeah. yeah. And, and I, we feel like we've only reached 5 or 6% of, you know, the actual uh, market that's out there for fishermen and boaters. So yeah. I'm always yeah. telling, telling my campers here at the park, you need to go check this out. And the majority of them have never hear, heard of Saltwater Recon or were aware that they could log on and check the conditions before they actually came down to the park. You know, we, we put we have a lot of Facebook followers, and we put up uh, live feeds on Facebook all the time. And, and I always ask people when they see us, somebody will see me and say, hey, I love Saltwater Recon. I follow you guys on Facebook. I'm like, oh, good. Have you seen the website? No, you guys have a website? <laughs> yes, we have a website. Go to the website. It's even better than media. Facebook stuff. <laughs> So, yeah, there's so much more you can do, and, and really controlling the cameras yourself is just one of the funnest things you can do uh, on the site. Um, and as far as um, doing that, you can when you go on, you click on, say, like you see the San Luis Pass page. Mm-hmm. You click on it. You cl- click on the little icon down there where you take control of the camera. I think you can control it for like 30 seconds at a time. Yeah, or about something. a minute at a time for everybody. And if, uh, if there's, say, five people on the website at the same time on that same page, you just have to wait in line. So <laughs> you, you click the button, and when it's your turn, you get control, and then well, it goes on to the next guy. It gives you, it gives like you your it countdown. It yeah, does. Sure. And there's actually a drop-down menu where you can pick the different We have some preset locations. locations so, um, so different areas that you want to see, whether you want to watch the bridge, you want to watch the Galveston side of the pass, watch the bulkhead here in the park, watch the beach right there in front of the park. You can Kevin's look. on it all the time. Oh, yeah. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you can either move the camera yourself uh, with, with, with the little controls that we have or there's some, uh, some presets that we have set up already, and you can select one of the presets, and it just shoots you from one to the next, and you can And even on each setting, you can, you can scan left and right. You can zoom in and out. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. It's pretty cool. We, we really enjoy what we do. Uh, we love telling people about it to watch them light up because it's – it really is something special, and it's a free resource, and it's the best resource any fisherman or boater can have in the area. And, you know, we're, t- we're trying to get down uh, down the Texas coast. Uh, we're even going to scoot over into Louisiana, quite possibly Lake Calcasieu, somewhere around there. 
But, uh, you know, we're, we're growing this thing as fast as we can, and, and we really had to test the market in Houston. So yeah. Uh, yeah. this has never been done before, and we really wanted to make sure it works and that it was that we could actually make it into a business. Right now, it's it's still a very expensive hobby of mine. <laughs> so uh, we're working on, on and, and we are, we're, we're getting more and more sponsors all the time. If you want to sponsor, if you want to do advertising on the website, please check out the website. There's an advertise uh, tab at the top of the page. Check it out, click on it, send us an email, and I'll get back to you. But we definitely need the sponsors because it, it helps keep it free for everybody else. And, and, yeah. and we're really gaining a huge audience, so it, it's beneficial for everybody. And all you fishing-related companies that are out there, this is a great avenue for you to go um, help support. Absolutely. Sure. All the local uh, people that help keep your business going. So, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's very uh, sy- symbiotic. <coughs> yeah. Any um – you know, you talk about future plans for expansion, but any, maybe you can't say, are there any, <laughs> y'all have any ideas for the website or for the company that, that branch beyond, you know, just the webcam service and. We and do. Uh, we, we've got some, we've got a really, really cool idea that we're working on. And uh, I don't know how much I can tell you about it because it's that unique and it's, it would be that much of a game changer. I might tell you when we get off the air, Yeah. but uh, it, it is a really cool idea. It involves the cameras, um, and and uh, I don't want to get into it much more than that. Yeah. It's, a, it's really, really cool. It, cool. it could really change the way you decide how, when and, and where you're going to go fishing or boating or whatever it is you do out yeah. on the water. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned, please, because we, we really have some really cool ideas, and we've got some great things in the pipeline. So, so uh, if someone wanted to... That they think, hey man, I've got a great spot for a camera. Do they just go on the website and people do that all the time? Yes, you can okay. go on Facebook and and shoot us some info. We uh, at the bottom of I think most of the pages, you can sign up for join our mailing list, uh, but also you can reach out to us uh, under contact us and send me send me where you want to see a camera. Absolutely, we want to hear from everybody. We want to know what you think of the site. We want to know where you'd like to see a camera yourself, what's going to help benefit you the most. Uh, we want to know our audience, and we want to be able to help everybody out. So absolutely. And you can – I'm pr- pretty ignorant on this. And <laughs> you can you can set parameters for how far the camera can turn. So, like, people can't, like, spy on the next-door neighbor eating dinner. Or you know, we, we ha- we've had some issues on uh, out at the Stewart Beach Park because there are some showers, like some shower heads right below where one of our cameras yeah. is set up. So – uh, when we first set up the camera, we had a lot of people going there and checking out all the girls in bikinis, <laughs> rinsing themselves off. And so, uh, you know, which is all good and fun. Uh, but if you're going to do it, just go out there and do it yourself. But don't use our cameras. And we, we, we did have to set restrictions on the camera. So you can't do that anymore. Yeah, you right. can still right. see them from afar, but which we made it to where you can't zoom in on them. So That's funny. Yeah, it really is, and it happens all the time, and it's, it's uh, on the beach cam too, so we, we get a lot of that. We, we do monitor the cameras, and we try to make sure that that's not going on, but a lot of times it's, it's hard to enforce. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's not, just, it's not just fishing. If someone wanted to come and, uh, hey, I'm thinking about going to the beach today, oh, but it's already Saturday at 1030 in the morning, and they're mm-hmm. driving all the way in from Houston. What's the traffic going to be like? What's the traffic What's, like? And, right? and, you know, you can check out the the causeway cam so you can see the traffic on the causeway which is helpful uh during mardi gras we we you could see the traffic on the seawall and see how bad it was you could see the fireworks on the fourth of july uh you know so just even traffic related stuff you can go and check out um but uh you know i think one of the coolest cameras we've got is over at seawolf park which uh, that camera is mounted to the to the crow's nest of the uh <coughs> bless you it's gr- it's mounted to the crow's nest of the SS USS Stewart, which is the battleship out yeah. there at SeaWolf Park, and uh, we it's it's up about 175 feet, I want to say. Uh, I had to climb that thing myself. It's dude, it's rickety, it's rusty. <laughs> I cut my hands on the rust the, uh, climbing up the ladder, but uh, setting that up, it just it provides the most spectacular view of of Galveston Harbor, the Ship Channel. You can see Bolivar. You can see the Texas City Dyke. I mean. That is a really great camera, and it has become the most popular camera on the site. What kind of range does it have? Like the one we have here has like a 180 degree. 
um, because you're set. This one's it's 360. Is you can it really? look everywhere, and all the cameras have a 360 degree range. Yeah, but because of the way the it's mounted here on uh, at the San Luis Pass, we have it mounted up on one of the what do you, the cabanas, mm-hmm. and so you only really get a an, uh, 180 degree view until you run into the roof line. Yeah. But uh, out there, it's just, it's like I said, it's, it, it's at the top of the crow's nest. So you can get a 360-degree view, and you can see all of Galveston. You can see Texas City. It's, such, it's a really cool yeah. camera. Check it out. I haven't, okay. I haven't gone and looked look at that one. Especially moving it around yourself, you, you get a kick out of it. Yeah. Yep. Neat. And you can see all the people fishing on the pier. You can see the traffic. You can see, uh, and there's just the, tr- the ferries going in and out, the ship, the cruise ships. It's, uh, it's, it's, there's, it's a, a very action-packed camera. Always fun to put that one up on Facebook. Cool. You don't have to look at that one. Are we boring you, Kevin? Not at all. Just checking, Kevin's a busy man. <laughs> you know, we caught Kevin here at his lunch break. He was kind enough to have us in on his lunch break uh, so that we could do this show. Uh, meanwhile, he's like scarfing his food down. Caught him checking his phone. And now he's working. So, so yeah, Kevin, uh, Kevin, unbeknownst to us, cooked us. Lunch, so we got here and it smells so smelled good. Smelled fabulous. What was that? Uh, trout cooked and it's, it was baked. When did a, you catch this trout? Um, just about a week or so ago. Okay, that's good. Um, trout that was um, cooked on a bed of rice with uh, a cream of celery soup, baked and then topped with uh, a Ritz cracker, a little bit of lemon zest. I had a frozen lemon that I grated up and. And mixed it in with the rice and um, a little stewed tomatoes. You say the, the lemon zest. I can really taste it now, yeah. And then um, I put the lemon zest on top of the fillets and put the uh, celery soup on top of the, the fillets and baked it for 45 minutes. And then crumbled up a package of Ritz crackers, put it on top of it, and it's baked good. it for another 20 minutes. And give it a killer. Nice, I'm going nice to go back crust. in in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. There's plenty of it. going there. in for number two. <laughs> but other than that, um, Shane, I really – I've been been enjoying your podcast. Um, this is the second one. Last time it was me and Wayne talking about flounder yeah, fishing. Yeah, it be about time to do, do that one. one again. Yeah. I uh, think months. Wayne, it's the middle of next month. Wayne's coming back in. Yeah. He generally comes in mid to late September and stays until December. He um, out here collecting specimens for the for the hatchery. Yeah. For Sea Center, Texas. And it's always fun seeing him i enjoy fishing with him whenever he's down no, he's a good dude i've always wanted to go out to the sea center it looks like a really cool place have you guys been oh yeah yeah, yeah i know <laughs> shane, <laughs> shane, well, I need to shane used to be the marine biologist out there for years working yeah. at the hatchery really yeah you were the uh the love doctor out there with the fish uh, 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 something like that <laughs> he, i sang he, them sweet songs at night to get them to spawn <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do great work out there and yeah, they, they they really do made strides and it's really really changed the 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 fishing in this area um populations especially the redfish more than anything have years ago before the hatchery was here the redfish catching redfish were really scarce and since since they've been doing what they've been doing it's made a big big change plus regulations oh yeah it all ties in yeah there's all there's several pieces to that puzzle and they're making great strides with flounder um yeah they're starting a um they they're going to start a new building out there wow just for flounder just for flounder wow good deal yeah. you guys just recently learned how to get them to spawn and then have have the babies or, or yeah I'm not sure uh, i mean the terminology. It's, it's been over 10 years a little bit over 10 years now but uh no a, a couple of us uh, courtney moore and i went to north carolina for some training because north carolina has been doing research with flounder for many years and so courtney and i went there and we did we kind of like had a hands-on seminar on how to spawn and raise southern flounder and so we kind of took that knowledge back to parks and wildlife and um got going with the flounder program at sea center and i think you know pretty much every year there's been some we've been building and 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 succeeding and and chipping away at developing the program and and then um david abrego the facility director down there and i went to cca before i was employed with cca and we kind of talked about some of the struggles and 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 confinements that we had and we're like we need more space so cca donated the seed money to get a new building and wow. they're going to start building a new flounder building and this thing will be a game changer for them because they'll potentially be able to go into year-round flounder production wow so you i'll still do donate <laughs> i'll donate candles and berry white cds <laughs> and you guys keep doing what you're doing that's, we that's could put amazing. a camera on a tank that would and be, people dude. could control 
the camera on. Watch. Hey, the, that's awesome. Yeah, and we could just like look at the flounder eating and spawning and everything. That's some real <laughs> recon. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. that. Yeah. Watch how a flounder eats in a tank, and you take that knowledge back to you on the bay and, and yep. learn how to set that hook on that flounder bite. Let's make it happen. We can do it. <laughs> All right. I think we can. We, we can do that one. Uh, so, how long before that facility is ready to go? They they're just breaking ground on it. Okay. I don't know what the construction timeline is going to be like. It's not a it's not an enormous sized building, so. It, you know, um, we're talking like a steel, like a corrugated steel building, sort of. Or this, I think this will be brick and mortar. I think okay, this one's going to be a stout, nice stout building. Yeah, um, it's basically a giant tank, right? I mean, it's it's a it's going to be a giant. <laughs> I say giant. It's not you know three thousand square feet maybe, but it'll just be an open building with some trenches in the middle for drains, and then they were purchasing the equipment. And then they'll have to pay someone or do it themselves, but they'll have to install all the equipment. So the building's one thing, getting all the equipment in and installing it's another. You know, a year and a half would probably be a realistic expectation for all that. So, yeah, cool stuff. Going I love on it, man. I, I think that sure. stuff's fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. And you should take your kids to Sea Center. I do. Yeah. I will. It's free to get in. They got rubbing tables so they can color and draw. T- touch, touch tanks. tanks. Cool. And at yeah, certain times they have um, feeding time. I think Wednesday at ten in the morning they they feed the fish where you can go actually watch them. Yeah, eat Wednesdays and Fridays, ten thirty in the morning. Don't you yeah. guys have like a ginormous flounder there or a redfish or what? Is they it? they used to have a a grouper, a oh. huge grouper okay. there. Uh, Gordon the grouper he died uh, back in like '08 I think it was. Hey, um, speaking of group, have you seen my grouper in the aquariums in the office here? No. Uh-uh. Got a pretty you nice gag in there. Oh, check yeah. it out. Did you catch him yourself? Um, somebody here in the park caught him. Wow. Yeah. And I've watched him grow. He's more than almost doubled in size just since I've been here. He's Do you just go out with good. the cast net and catch their lunch? There's a snook in there that somebody had caught in a cast net. Um, I, I, I do go out. Yesterday I went out and caught about 150 threadfin shad and split them up 50 in each tank to feed the different fish that we've got in the aquariums. And... Some of the aquariums, they'll last for a week. Some of them, they'll last for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends I, on how voracious the eaters they are. That's cool. That's really neat. They, they, y'all have great tanks here. Yeah. I got something I want to get both of your feedback on. Okay. Oh, that's, man. that's a current issue. Kevin's right. familiar with it. Horace, <clears throat> I don't know if you are. Um, so Parks and Wildlife is proposing several uh, amendments to the oyster proclamation. Basically changing the rules for oyster fishery. And... Uh, Two or three of them relate direct. Well, they all kind of direct directly to the commercial fishery, but two of them are really kind of transformational on how the parks and wildlife is going to manage the oysters. So I'll just run through all of them real quick, if, okay. you, if you don't know them. They're going to lower the sack, potentially lower the sack limit for commercial oystermen. They can keep 40 sacks now, but they're talking about lowering it to 25. They're going to, they're proposing to um, close Mondays for oystering. Mm-hmm. Right now, Sundays are closed. Now they're talking about making a two-day closure, Sunday-Monday closure. Um, the oystermen are allowed to keep up to 15% of their catch undersized. Legal size is three inches, so they're talking about 15% of 40 sacks is equivalent to about six bags of oysters smaller than three inches that they can keep because you know they pull up the dredge and they're sure. chipping away and sorting and mm-hmm. as fast as they can do it yeah. yeah and and even shell if there's a shell that's not a live oyster that gets counted towards their 15 percent tolerance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so anyways they're talking about lowering that tolerance down to five from Good. 15 down to five percent yeah. and then so here's the two that i wanted to talk about they're talking about closing some minor bays permanently to all to all oystering uh, Hallelujah. Chris, Christmas Bay right here mm-hmm. one of them Keller Bay Karankawa Bay I'm going to miss one uh, St. Charles Bay Powderhorn Lake Hines Bay and South Bay that's all of them well they're proposing closing all of those minor bays to oystering it wasn't a few months back that we were discussing this between the two of us Shane I got one more and okay i'll let you go <laughs> i got one more I'll, I'll, I'll hold and then off. and then we'll jump in and then the last thing is uh creating a shoreline buffer where there's no harvest off shorelines from the basically from the shoreline out 300 feet so 100 yards from mean high tide 
no oyster that, harvest. That's a really good one. I don't know why that one's already not happening. Okay, so feedback. Well, we we discussed this pretty much in, in detail a while back whenever all, all this was happening. Um, Christmas Bay, there were 50, 50, 60 boats at a time out there on Christmas Bay whenever they were doing the harvest over here recently. And, I mean, it was it was just ridiculous. Um, the bays were tore up. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that were wanting to go fishing couldn't really even go fishing because they were, they were, it looked like a, a fleet out there. Um, what kind of damage do you think Arcadia Reef suffered from all of that? Man, I don't know. All I know, all I can say is... Is, I, there, is there an Arcadia Reef? <laughs> I went wade fishing in May out here, you know, closer to... Um, cedar cut and where you used to have to you would trip well you know walking out on the oyster reefs you slide your feet it's like walking across a gravel parking lot wow they cleared it out it was a hard bottom but there were no longer you know oysters sticking up or oysters that would trip you on your way you weren't making steps on the oyster reef you were sliding across the oyster reef. that's sad so that's my observation. So are, are they basically re like are they are they moving these oyster reefs into deeper water or like different locations? Because I know they trawl, they pull up the oyster reefs, and they're supposed to put back you know hunks of oyster that aren't that don't actually have a a live oyster in it. They're supposed to throw them back out because that's what they rebuild on, right? Right. So if they're clearing out an area, I'm hoping they're dumping them back somewhere else. Maybe they didn't dump it back there. Uh, they could have yeah, just, you know. Now, what's, what's unique about Christmas Bay specifically is that it hasn't been harvested in decades. Hmm. But it was opened this year uh, to commercial harvest, and, and really there was nowhere else to go. All of the other minor bays, Galveston Bay is still, a lot of the oyster reefs are silted over still from Hurricane Ike. So East Bay in Galveston was closed because the oysters weren't big enough and there weren't enough of them. So all the... Most of the oyster, this mobile oyster fleet has been moving up and down the coast from Minor Bay to Minor Bay as Parks and Wildlife opens them. So the only bays they had left at that point in time of the year that Kevin's talking about was pretty much Christmas Bay and East Matagorda Bay. There was nowhere else to go. Wow. And so well, yeah, a lot of a lot of our oystermen came down to Christmas Bay, and um, and it doesn't. It's such a small bay. It doesn't take much effort to have some dramatic impacts. Mm-hmm. And and and. The county employees here saw it. Fishermen here saw it. Um, it was a hot button issue. Yeah, locally. I mean, oyster production—they're just trying to keep up with the demand, and that's the thing. That's right. the demand's gone through the roof. That's right. And uh, that's that's what we really need to curb ourselves on—is just say, hey, you know, maybe there'll be a year or two where we only go out for oysters once or twice a a month instead of like every other day. I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, that, especially that holiday season, the demand is really high. I love oysters. I, I'm going to have a tough time not eating them. <laughs> but, I know. You know, that's that's part of the deal is we all, I think, at least my message is we have to be willing to, to give up something. And that's what you're saying. We have to be willing to give up something for the greater good of the resource. And, and the bay closures and the shoreline harvest, in my opinion, are game changers for the management of the fishery. And really, I think, change the way we look at and, and view oysters. You talk about erosion control, mm-hmm. breaking up the waves so more sunlight can reach the seagrass, reducing sedimentation, their filtration, filtration rate, 50 gallons of water per day per oyster. You know, they have all these ecosystem services that they provide that we really need to pay attention to and value them for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not They're for, more valuable for that right. than they are. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's if you you put a monetary value to it, and um, it's a huge range, but it ranges from about thirteen thousand dollars per acre to two hundred and forty-four thousand dollars per acre, depending Damn. depending on how wow. many are in that reef. So, wow. you know, if, if we had to go out and do those services that the oysters do, that's that's how much you would have to pay. Wow, it's crazy. How did y'all so, even get that metric? There's published literature on it. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Grabowski, 2012. I remember the citation. <laughs> so, so uh, well, you know how they how they uh, farm mussels. Is there any chance of farming oysters in the same sort of way? Uh, Texas is right now is does not allow for shellfish aquaculture. It's the only state in the United States that doesn't have shellfish. Now, aquaculture. how is that? Uh, up until this point, 
the the commercial industry has been able to survive off of uh off natural of the public oyster mm, reefs wow you know that i think that that might not be the case in the future and the, there certainly is a there's a valid argument to be had for the sure. state let's have to, a conversation to about have it, some shellfish aquaculture you want to talk about providing the market with the perfect size half shell product you go to aquaculture mm-hmm. and they're still raised out here and they're still filtering out and they're doing the same thing exactly <coughs> and we they're don't have to devastate our, our natural reefs. right because right. yeah. i mean what's yeah. that do to the fish population too we're devastating their homes yeah. So uh, it's not just the oysters. It's yeah. It's the whole ecosystem, like you say. Kevin. Kevin's pointing to his clock. <laughs> yeah. Our, for- our lunch date's over. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I was doing this on my lunch break, and um, I've time to go back to work. I got. All right. Any final thoughts? Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing what is implemented as far as what the the commissioner's court hands down as as a mandate for what's going to happen here. August um, 8th. Hopefully. Well, that, I don't know. Maybe. That's not set in stone, but that's their next okay. meeting. And that's um, just on this side, right? That's, that's just for the Brazoria so County ha- side. So has there been much collaboration from from both sides? And actually, we did have somebody from the Galveston side that came and spoke at our commissioner's court and spoke on the on the behalf of them having closed waters on that side where you're not supposed to wade mm-hmm. or um, fish, swim in that water. And um, he said that they patrol it regularly, but they don't um, – there's no way to completely control it yeah. and the same thing will be the case on this side um you'll have times whenever um your people just like whenever somebody's back's turned and they're they're going to do something that they're not supposed to do and that'll be the case here okay or is any final thoughts uh no you know i uh, i was just glad to be here with you guys thank you very much for having me uh, it was great it's having been a pleasure to, to talk about these these really important issues with you guys and uh, and you know, please go check out the website. It's a, like I said, it's a great resource for anybody out there. It's free. Uh, go to saltwaterrecon.com and uh, check out the cameras. And uh, you know, we we were going to have Jennifer Provoznik out with us, so I just wanted to shout out to her just to say uh, next time. Sorry you couldn't make it this time. She had a meeting go yeah, along, thanks, so we'll get, she we'll wanted to be out here with us, Jennifer Provoznik, the uh, game warden. But we'll, she couldn't. We'll make do it, it again. We'll do it again. Sounds good uh, around her schedule. Kevin, you going to make another casserole for us? I will. <laughs> All right, well, okay, so Brazoria County Commissioner's Court, August 8th, the oyster meetings. The Parks and Wildlife is going to make a decision on August 24th in Austin. That meeting starts at Parks and Wildlife headquarters at 9 a.m., so if anyone wants to voice their opinion, you've got between now and the 23rd, go to TPWD Public Comment, Google that, go online and give your thoughts. And if you support these measures, I really would encourage you to come to Austin and give comment in front of the commissioners. And um, all you people out there, come out here to San Luis Pass County Park. Um, beautiful facility, even though you might not be able to get into the water after not too long. <laughs> <laughs> come out now while you can, but be it's careful. Still, it's still a great place to fish, even if you're it having is. to bank fish. Especially during flounder run. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. All right, guys. Thank you. Shane, thank, thank you. Thank you, Shane.